Welcome to another edition of The War Room here on KLKC Radio. I'm your host, John Fry. With me is Parsons Vikings football coach Jeff Scheibe back in the studio. Always a pleasure to have you. How you doing, man? Pretty good, man. Thank, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad to be back. And <laughs> for, I, I always like being transparent on this show. I got here about an hour before we were going to set to record, and I ate a I ate a meal from Brahms, very good meal, and then I must have just fallen asleep, and I don't know how long I was asleep. And Jeff walks in the studio and lifts my feet up off the desk. I was sitting up to wake wake me up. So yeah, he was he was uh, knocked unconscious. There. <laughs> Brahms will get the better of a lot of men. That's right. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I think the big thing with Parsons football that happened within the last uh, you know very recently is Chris Beard playing in the Shrine Bowl. Uh, that was a very competitive all-star game. What was the final score? 21 to 20. It was East going for two in the win late in the game. Uh, kind of take me through what that experience was like uh, seeing Chris out there and performing. I know you went out there to watch the game. Uh, just kind of uh, take me through it. Yeah, so, I mean, just watching a Shrine Bowl in itself is is pretty neat. Um, but then when you get to experience one of your guys playing in it, it just makes it that much more special. And... You know, the, the saying behind that, it's more than a game, you know, is, is well, they're, they're playing for the kids. And, you know, I think when they these kids first get nominated, they, they really don't know what they're getting themselves into. But then by the time Friday, Saturday rolls around, they really understand why they're playing that game and what it's for. And I think that's, that's special, you know, in itself. And obviously when you see all the hard work that kids put in in the off season through the season in the weight room to see them get rewarded and playing an all-star game like that is, is pretty special and you know for us you know it's the fourth year in a row we've got somebody nominated but third year in a row that somebody actually played in the game so it's been and, the, and that like one before so the, the start, that streak that four in a row started with Derek Williams he didn't play because he was hurt that he, he didn't choose not to play just out of sheer laziness or anything Correct. like that. He he was nursing an injury and, and was, I, I mean, I think a doctor probably would have, I, I don't want to speak for him. I think a, that, at that point, a doctor probably would have cleared him, but I wouldn't have, I mean, if he was my kid, I probably wouldn't have wanted him to go out and play at, with where he was at with well, his injury at that point. Yeah, I don't think he would have been ready to go because he, yeah. he, he tore his knee up in March right there before the state tournament. Yeah. And so you're right. Yeah, he probably wasn't ready to go. No, at that he point. he he wouldn't have physically been ready to play. Yeah, but then, for, but I mean, he was quote unquote in good standing when he was nominated as Shrine Bowl. Oh, yeah. I was kind of upset he didn't. I was always upset he never got a jersey or anything like that because it wasn't his choice not to participate. Yeah, I mean, yeah it'd, it'd be pretty nice if you know they they sent him a jersey, but um, but then yeah. we had Tanner Barkus the next year. Ethan Houck got to be a quarterback for two Shrine Bowl wide receivers. Yes. And then, uh, the, and then last year it was uh, Isaiah Tyson, uh, and then now it's Chris Beard. So you've gone from two wideouts to two defensive linemen. They, they're uh, coming in pairs. Tanner actually played uh, corner. He played DB at the Shrine Bowl. Yeah, That's so right. he, he never really got to touch the ball offensively. I wish he would have because he's he runs such great routes. He catches everything. Mm-hmm. And he, he reminds me of like a little Wes Welker or uh, – um, you know, somebody like that, that is just a oh, yeah. very good slot receiver. And last two years, like you said, we had defensive ends. And last year, Isaiah Tyson got moved inside a little bit. Mm-hmm. So he was he was doubled most of the night. 
Chris played outside for the majority of the game and really, you know, I thought he I thought he the the best word to describe how he played was disruptive. Mm-hmm. He was in quarterback's faces. He was, you know, every time that you know the quarterback would roll out quite a bit as well, opposite of him, he would he would be chasing him down. Obviously, he don't get any stats for that. That you don't see that in the stats. But that was the, whoever the stat keeper for the Shrine Bowl was weird. They only recorded the only the stat keeper only recorded three quarterback hurries for both defenses over the course of a whole game. I, I promise you, it wasn't that low. Well, like, <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of drop back passing that went on in that game. Mm. Lots of rollouts, and then you know getting quarterbacks out of the pocket. So they they may be correct on that. Um, you know, when a quarterback's rolling out, and let's say Chris was chasing him, yeah, you don't get a pressure for that because I mean he's 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 rolling out. He's probably the unblocked to a degree as well. Yeah, especially on a rollout. So I I thought he played, he did what he he does best, and he he was physical. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of times he got engaged with an offensive tackle, and you know did a push pull, and you know would push that you know offensive lineman on his face, <laughs> and you know just every play he's looking to hit someone mm-hmm. and hit somebody hard and I I thought he did that. I you know one thing I noticed this summer in particular was so I, I went to the uh the KVA, the Kansas Volleyball Association All-Star game up in Topeka. I watched Lebec County Shelby Wilson playing that. I've been to the Shrine Bowl plenty of times. They are competitive games. I mean, y- you can tell that it, and I sit there and think to myself it's an all-star game. Nobody's saying don't play hard, but no, nobody's also asking you to lay your life on the line for this. Like, you know, go out there, showcase, get in, get out safely. I, you'll see people throwing helmets because they're frustrated. You'll see people smashing the floor because they're frustrated in that volleyball match. I mean, it's, I don't know what it is, but for, for whatever reason, it, it gets super intense when you get to a level that's generally thought of as more of a showcase for to a lot of stupid idiots like myself well i think those kids have had it ingrained in them in a long time that when they step between those white lines you know you're not best friends with anyone anymore mm-hmm. it's you know you're you're playing your tail off on that field and give your best effort every single play you know regardless if it's an all-star game or not and you gotta remember those are the some of the best players in the state mm-hmm. and they're, and they have that mentality oh, to yeah. get to that point of being among the best and, and they're competitors so Anytime they step foot on that field, they're going to give it all they got. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the decision for the East to go for two in the win with, I think, about five, four, four or five minutes left in that game? Yeah, we were we were actually talking about it up in the stands on, on, <laughs> on what we would do, and all of us came to the consensus that, yeah, you get, you have to go for two because if, you know, you do kick the extra point, you tie it, then there's uh, there was four minutes left. Chances of somebody else scoring were slim. In that and, situation, and, and certainly the East was probably not going to get another score. Correct. I mean, the West was going to get one solid crack at it. C- correct. So going for two right there, it, it puts somebody as a winner. I'm sure the obviously the East wish they could probably have that play back, but um, I loved it. And you know, Coach Coach Ryder, I, I actually I looked at him as soon as the East scored that touchdown because I knew there was a big decision looming, mm-hmm. and he immediately. Put the two, put the two up, and all the players on the field, all the offensive players were doing the same thing. So when your when your kids are out there giving you that, like you put your trust in them, and and you know 
and you, you can't send the kicker on at that point because <laughs> oh, it annoyed me last year when they went for the tie, like they tied last yeah. year, and I, I like I, I I get it. It's an all star game. It's not about who wins and loses, but my oh, cowards! Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah you, you never want to tie in a football game. That's for I sure. Just, that's why I hate the you know NFL overtime rules where there could potentially be a tie in a game. And I agree. I I think what they should do at the end of overtime is you know make it a sh- kind of like a penalty shootout that you see in hockey or in soccer. Make it kick. Make them kick field goals. And you don't have to have, and you can, I don't know whether you'd have a rush or not, but start it from like 40 yards and move it back five yards until somebody makes and somebody doesn't. Shoot yeah, it out that I, way. I, I guess I understand why the NFL does it because they don't want to. Player put, safety. Yeah, player safety deal. And But man, you got you to gotta come up with a solution of always figuring out a winner and a loser mm-hmm. in a football game. Uh, one thing that's, you know, interesting about the Shrine Bowl and you guys getting four in a row is it kind of mirrors a the trajectory that you that the program's been on over the last half decade or so. Uh, you know, I, I've been here for nine years now, and uh, the first five weren't that good, but the last four in, have seen a significant trend upwards. I, I'm curious why you feel like Parsons has Start, certainly started to correct the course in this football program and build something more sustainable uh, that can be uh, successful over the long term. And when I talk about successful, I'm not necessarily talking about, oh, we're going to be contenders for a state title every single year. So few schools in the state at any or in the country are, are, are always that. But I think success looks like we're going to we're we're gonna be putting up a winning season most seasons. How have you gotten to the point where we're, we're about there? It seems like yeah, I, I I would agree with you. I think it started six years ago with Kurt Freeze. Mm-hmm. Kurt did a good job of of of, of getting that group of, of of talented kids to get that taste of success. And we won a couple of playoff games. Then you know there was a there was a couple year lull. You know, in the program, I don't. I don't want to say the program was on the on the downside. It's just it went down after that. His first year, it went down for about two years, but it bounced right back up. And you guys won, I believe, three to four games each of the three games each of those first two those two years. Yeah. So, you know, I think a commitment to the weight room has been the biggest thing for us is is buying into um, working hard. And, you know, telling those kids that hard work pays off. And we, that's actually a few things we've talked about this summer is, you know, those kids can be so mentally drained and, you know, think, why am I doing this? And we always, you know, but what we've been telling them is it might not pay off tomorrow. It might not pay off in two weeks. Mm-hmm. But somewhere down the road, when you're in a competitive battle, all that hard work you put in is going to pay off. And I think... Um, that's that's been the biggest thing is hard work and then consistency within our coaching staff. Anytime, anytime you change the coaching staff every two years, like it was, it's hard to it's hard to get the kids to buy in. Um, so this senior class will be this current coaching staff's first first class that's been you're, all the way going through. Your fourth year of coaching, which means your seniors were freshmen when Cor- you got here. Correct. So we we molded that class the way 
you know, we want things done. And it's so obvious, especially this summer and how the kids are holding each other accountable. We talked a lot about it last year. We want to be a player-led team. Mm-hmm. You know, player-led teams are, are where, you know, you see those championships. And I, I can see it. I can see these kids are holding each other accountable. Um, it's it's rare for somebody to show up late to waste, but if they do, coaches don't say a word. They they know they know what they're supposed to do, and if they don't, the, the kids get on them. Yeah. You know, take a lap around the track, and mm-hmm. you know, get back in line. But it's just little things like that that I think are what you need to sustain success in a program. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, Jeff, stick with me. We're going to go to a quick break. Uh, but when we come back, more war room with the uh, Parsons Vikings football head coach, Jeff Scheibe. I'm your host, Sean Fry. Don't go anywhere. We're back on the war room here on KLKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry. Jeff Scheibe, the Parsons Vikings football head coach in the building. Jeff, you and I both watched quarterback on Netflix, and I just want to vibe about this for a second. I, I thought that was a fantastic series. Obviously, from from a media standpoint, I see the type of access that the filmmakers got. Uh, they captured a lot of cool moments, um, uh, and obviously, you know, they were great storytellers. I, I kind of, I liked all three stories. Obviously, you and I are Chiefs fans, so we're going to have a heavy bias to Patrick Mahomes, and no problems with that. Uh, Kirk Cousins was fun to watch. I, I thought his line cracked me up where he said, where he quoted Margaret Thatcher, or, or and the quote was, if my critics saw me walking on water. They would say it's because I can't swim. (laughs) And I also loved watching Marcus Mariota. I know probably most NFL fans, they're going to say, of all the quarterbacks that I want to watch a behind-the-scenes thing on, Mariota would probably have been way down the list, I understand, especially compared to Cousins and Mahomes. But, you know, I grew up in Hawaii. My my dad and stepmom are still there. He's a a Hawaii kid. Uh, Every time Marcus Mariota plays a game, he leads the local news of, you know, the local TV news is going to talk about how he did in that game. Uh, he's a huge part of the Hawaiian culture there. And so, and I I think he's a good guy. Like, I think he... I used has, to love watching him in college at Oregon. He was so good. So good. And let's not, I mean, as much as it hurts us, I hope people remember he beat the Chiefs in a playoff game. Oh, don't remind me. Oh, it's painful. Touchdown pass to himself. Oh, my goodness. Uh, if there wasn't one play that encapsulated everything the Chiefs experienced over, like, a generation, that was it. That, now, Mahomes at, has changed that. <laughs> after that moment, I I can't remember. Did we, did we Have we won a playoff game before that? Maybe the beat the Texans. We beat the Texans on the road. But, man, after that play, you had to really second guess if if – if uh, Arrowhead and the Chiefs were haunted. Oh, my gosh, yeah. If were, I guess if they were cursed, I, I should say. It, it was... There is something wrong with one of the speakers <laughs> in here right now. The, the ghost of that pass from Arrowhead. And, and, and then as soon as you start talking about it, it stops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like you take your car to the dealership. It never makes the same... Or, or to the mechanic. never makes the same noise. <laughs> and they think you're an idiot. Yeah. But, uh... I'm curious, watching those uh, episodes of Quarterback, first off, just from a fan standpoint, what stood out to you the most? What did you like the most? Was there a particular scene or particular storyline that, that that stood out to you from, obviously, both a fan and the fact that you're a football coach? Obviously, you engross yourself in the life. Well, I think I think the thing that stood out to me the most is us Chiefs fans think that Patrick Mahomes is like Superman and can't do 
you know, nothing wrong or, you know what I mean? Like he's not human, but you got to go inside his house, you know, mm-hmm. his, his, his life. He's yelling and, at his dogs. <laughs> yeah. He, he's just like one of us. And I think that's the biggest thing, you know, I, I took away from it. And then also, um, I learned how tough Kirk Cousins was. Oh yeah, man. He, that kid took a beating game in game out with broken ribs. I gained a lot of respect for him after watching all that. And it just also shows you the beating that quarterbacks take that people don't, you know, really see. Yeah. And also they have to be mentally engaged. You know, they have to basically shake those injuries to the side so they can be mentally engaged Mm -hmm. to know what everybody's responsibilities are on the field. And, um, I just thought overall, it was just, I always love stuff like that when you, when Mm -hmm. you, you see what their life is outside of football as well. The, especially for professional athletes, the dumb jock stereotype really gets on my nerves when it comes to people like that. Because I promise you, there is not a single person in Parsons that can dissect plays and study the game like Patrick Mahomes and Kirk Cousins and, and even Marcus Mariota do. Yeah. Like, they have, their intelligence is, their ability to dissect that information is, is just on another level. And... For me, what was interesting watching Mahomes' storyline the most was how he does his workouts with his personal trainer. You can see kind of where he develops all his explosive movements and his improvisational nature of how he plays. What interested me the most is they talk about, and you know, I go back and watch his highlights after I heard that. I was like, that's what makes sense is, you know, you watch Mahomes do it, and he talked about having a strong core, having a strong spine that allows Patrick to keep his head still while he's moving around, rolling out, and trying, yeah. you know, you know, throwing from different arm angles, and his head is able to stay still so he can survey the field as best he can. And you, if you go back and watch him, you're right. His head is still. It, it, it's almost eerily still compared to everything else going on around him. And, and watching how he does those workouts, you, you almost see – it's like seeing the sausage being made to, to a degree, but maybe, in a good way. Maybe he's not human because they said his spine – is, is just ridiculously <laughs> strong and nothing like a normal human being. I didn't know anything about, quote, spine strength until I watched that yeah, show. I was like... Ridiculous. And then also, you know how they do the ABC training days? Yeah. You know, with his trainer, how he finds time to be able to... You know, it's obviously before practice he's doing that or after practice in the yeah. evening where he's going in and getting those extra workouts in with his trainer, so... Just uh, his commitment, and it's, you know, there's a reason why he's a two-time MVP, two-time Super Bowl MVP and champion, so he's he's different. That, that ankle injury looks so painful. Did you see the episode? I don't, I don't know if you watched it all. Have you seen, did you see the episode where they were treating the ankle? Oh, my gosh, it just looks so raw and painful. He won an AFC championship on that, like, six days later. Yeah, it's incredible that he was able to do that because I know anyone that's ever had that type of injury before just... You have players that have that injury, and it bothers them the whole season, and it takes them an offseason to really get get past it. Yeah, I mean, Cade Brown had a really, really bad high ankle sprain, and I've always said this, if, if you watch it on film... I don't know how he didn't break his leg, how he got rolled up on, and then he had probably a thousand pounds pressed down on him mm-hmm. from bodies. Um, but man, he Cade 
had the best game of his career week one last year. Then that play happened week two, the very first play against LeBette County. So he's out the rest of that game. Then he misses two more games after that. Well, I think he tried to come back week four, but he just had to hobble off. And same thing week five. And he just it bothered him all season long. And he really didn't start getting healthy until, you know, the playoffs rolled around. So we're we're looking for him to bounce back after that for sure. Uh, a couple minutes left here. I'm just curious what, uh, you know, getting back onto Parsons football. You guys had have had a, have had a good solid two years when you look at it overall. Obviously, you you've played you've won a playoff game in that stretch. You've won um, what thirteen games I think in that stretch. Uh, Something like seven that. and three, and then five and four. So we're twelve and seven yeah. in the last two years. Yeah, uh, twelve winning a dozen games over two years. Nobody's going to scoff at that. But you look at how last year started. I believe you started what four and oh, five and oh maybe. I think, can't remember, I think it was a 5-0 and start, and then you drop your last four. Uh, and there was – you certainly didn't end last year trending in the same direction that you had been going over the previous year and a half. Correct. Obviously, the overall trend over two years is still upward, but it, 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 it changed course briefly. You know, I asked about it, you know, what you were kind of, kind of contemplating and think about over the offseason – you know, after that game at Girard, and this was back in October, it's July now. How, what answers have you maybe come up with, and how have you kind of a, a, attacked that in the offseason to uh, be able to put something together that looks more consistent over the course of 9, 10, 10 to 9, 8, 11 games? Yeah, uh, so, you know, you can look at the way we finished a lot of different Your schedule angles. did harden. That was something yeah, that was... It certainly did. Um, obviously... Losing Jaron, going into the Gleena game, it's not mm-hmm. ideal to lose your defensive coordinator midway through the season. Yeah. That that hurt us. Um, and then obviously, you know, we made some really stupid, simple, silly mistakes against Galena and Frontenac. Mm-hmm. Both of those games, we had chances to win the football game. That puts you at 7-0. and Yep. And then Colum- and you feel way better going to Columbus. We, we, correct. And we ran into a buzzsaw down there of a really, 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 really hot team that really turned it on late in the year. They had oh, yeah. 10 seniors. They were the best, like, two-win team probably ever at well, that point. Well, I, I, I never really looked at the record because Columbus started 10 seniors on both sides of the ball last year. Yeah. I knew they were going to go down without a fight. And, you know, that that game, the score looks 30 to – I think it was 30 to 6. Mm-hmm. For most of the game, it was thirteen to six, twenty to six, and we just could not. We couldn't catch a break. We couldn't. We couldn't. You know, mm-hmm. we we had a thirty-yard run that get you know gets us down inside the ten. There you see the yellow on the field with the holding. So just little things like that that you really can change the outcome of a, of a game. I don't think we necessarily played that bad against Gerard. We played bad. Um, we didn't play well against Gerard. Off- defense, offensively. Uh, def- defensively, you guys, we, I'll say this. Gerard was a really good team. I think anybody objectively would have probably picked Gerard to win that game. Your defense, for about two and a half quarters, gave you yeah. opportunities to try Correct. and stay in that game b- before the before the levy just broke. Correct. And and I'll 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 take, you know, argue this with anybody. Gerard was the third best team in the state last year behind Andell and Holton. Holton I would agree with any that. other year. 
that you don't have a powerhouse like Andale. Holton runs away with the state title. Mm-hmm. And Gerard battled and battled and battled Holton. Holton was a darn good football team. Mm-hmm. Very capable of being a state champion. And if anybody watched that Andale-Holton state title game, it was a pretty evenly matched game. Just Holton made a, a, a few simple mistakes. Yeah. Um, they gave up an early fourth and 16 to Andale. That's, you know, on a pass play. Not typical, but Holton was a darn good team. And Gerard was the third best team in the state. Yeah. And I, I'll argue that with anybody. Um, just when it comes to talent and coaching staff, everything put together, they were, they were really good. Mm-hmm. But you're right. We, our defense did get a few stops that game. Offense, we couldn't do a darn thing. Um, we had J.J. Kendrick was out that game. I remember that. J.J. Um, was a big part of our team. And if anybody else remembers that Gerard game, we also dropped a wide open touchdown to open the game. Remember that would have put us well. up seven to nothing. Mm-hmm. And does it change the outcome of the game? Who knows? But you put a little pressure on them. Our whole idea going into the Gerard game was we want to put pressure on them because they they hadn't played down. I don't think all season long. Yeah. So we had a chance right there to go up seven nothing. I elected to receive the ball because I wanted the opportunity to. To get him put down. Him in all. Yeah. Um, but it just didn't work out. And um, how we're going to fix things like that, you know, I, I told you, I told the radio after the game, take a long look in the mirror, how I want to do things, um, my style of coaching. You know, maybe I'm not going to release all that information on the air, but I, I think I'm, I'm going to try some different styles and, um, you know, of the way I, I approach. I would the way I approach be yourself, but being yourself, you can st- being yourself doesn't mean not adapting either. The way I approach um, um, a penalty, the the way I approach a kid making a mistake, things like that. Um, I really looked at ways to improve in the off season, and obviously, um, some sch- sch- schematics. You know, we're making a couple small changes to how we do some things offensively and defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, and play into our player's strength. So there's there's some things that we had to get better at as coaching staff as well. There we go. Well, hey, that'll about do it for the War Room. I have some brief War Room-related news. Uh, the, next week will be the last episode of the War Room. I am taking a new job that will take me to Kentucky uh, Friday. Uh, Friday, so this show comes out on the 24th. On a Monday, this this coming Friday this week will be my last day at the Parsons Sun. I'll get a war room recorded over the course of the week. Wow, and then thanks I, for the heads up for that. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to see what your snap reaction would be. <laughs> but, wow. Uh, I've well, been, I, Jeff, I've been... That sucks. I've been going on the tour for this for the last, like, 36 hours, letting people know I took a job in Kentucky. I'll go into more detail next week. But, uh, yeah, so everything we just talked about, how about how you're gonna approach the fall? I'll have to I'll have to watch it on KLKC and see how it unfolds. Wow, man, gonna miss you, man. You've done, done, you done a heck of a job, a hell of a job at Parsons Sun, and you got some, you know, whoever steps in has some big shoes to fill because you've really changed a lot of things for for the good for Parsons Sun. So we're gonna miss you, man. I appreciate the sentiment. I'm sure I'm sure you and I will grab a drink at some point this week. We oh, will yeah. we will ensure a proper goodbye. Uh, I appreciate everybody. I'll go in more into it more next week. I don't know who the guest is going to be. I'm trying to get Ryan Phillips on here. We'll see. But uh, it, I may, I it may, I may just 
tell everybody, hey, come into the uh, studio. You guys want to <laughs> rap about whatever for a half hour. Toss, toss the mic around to everybody. <laughs> That's right. So uh, that'll do it for this week on The War Room. And next week, that'll do it for The War Room as a whole. So everybody stay safe and God bless.